Let us read together in Psalm 106, beginning at verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation, that I may see the good of Thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of Thy nation, that I may glory with Thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not Thy wonders in Egypt, they, they remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved him for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness, and he saved them from the hand of them that hated them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemies. And the waters covered their enemies. There was none left, not one left of them. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we lift up our heart to thee tonight. For thou art God, and beside thee there is none other. How glorious thou art. How gracious Thou art, how merciful Thou art, and how precious Thou art to our souls. Lord, when we think of Thy mighty acts, when we think of Thy mighty power, when we think of the hiding of Thy power, and that Thou dost not stir it all up, and that thou dost in long suffering and patience wait for the sons of men and wait upon the, wait upon the sons of men. O Lord, we understand that thy long suffering is salvation. And as thou didst wait in the days of Noah for a hundred and twenty years, so thou art waiting now to be gracious, and we praise thy name for it. And so we wait before thee tonight with hearts of anticipation, hearts waiting to see Thy glory, waiting to see Thy power of deliverance, waiting to see You work in our day as we've heard You've worked in days before. And our Father, when we think of the days of revival, the days of the stirring of the hearts of Thy people, the awakenings that Thou hast given in decades and, and centuries past. O Lord, we have heard of these things and we have read of these things and we desire that we will be in the midst of these things ourselves before we die. And we will see the outpouring of Thy Spirit, the working of Thy mighty power in the hearts and lives of many women and that Thou wilt send awakening and revival, and Thy Spirit will work as He's worked in the days of yore. And our Father, we will rejoice in Thy great salvation. 
when thou wilt bring precious sinners down at thy feet and cause them to cry after thee. They don't want thee. Oh, Lord, our loved ones do not desire you tonight. They would rather see in their own way the pleasures of the world. But, O oh Lord, we, we wait to see the day when Thou wilt bring them down. And we will hear them crying, O oh Lord, remember me. Wilt Thou work effectually in our hearts? Whatever it takes to break and to send revival, Lord, draw, draw us from the world. May we be more heavenly-minded. And may our hearts be filled with Thy compassion toward the souls of, and sons of men. And our Father, that we will share thy, thy truth with others. We will speak it forth. That we will go forth in thanksgiving. We thank you for the morning hour. How our heart was made to rejoice as we spoke upon Jesus Christ himself. And now as we gather together in this evening hour, with this special portion before us, anoint our eyes, we pray, that we may be able to see our Father, give us ears that we may be able to hear, hearts that will long after Thee, and we understand from Thy Word what music it is in Thine ears for us to cry after Thee and to seek Thy face. So move in our midst. Take away sin. Take away pride. Take away rebellion and unbelief. Take away the idolatry of our hearts. Take away our youthful lust and everything that would hinder. And our Father, may our eyes be upon our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For it is in His precious name that we pray. Amen. <coughs> that fourth and fifth verse of Psalm 106 is upon our heart for tonight. Let us look there together. And pray that the Lord will open our hearts to receive His Word. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation, that I may see the good of Thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of Thy nation, that I may glory with Thine inheritance. This is a choice verse of Scripture, a choice portion for us to look at tonight. For I believe we find here that the psalmist sets forth the great and glorious truth that's found throughout the entire Bible. And it is this, that the God who sits upon the throne the sovereign God of the Bible is a God who just delights in His creatures crying after Him. For I see in our text tonight, and as I study and look at the Word of God, I understand that God delights in us crying after Him because it honors His sovereignty. Yes, it does. For us to cry after God honors His sovereignty because when we cry after Him, we are saying to Him, Thou art the Lord. Thou art the only one who can deliver. 
Thou art the only one who can help. Thou art the only one who can make a way of escape. Thou art the great physician. Thou art the great healer. Thou art the great deliverer. For in thee and thee only is found deliverance from sin. I believe that when we cry after Him and desire after Him and make our needs known unto Him, we are honoring Him as our sovereign God. For if you will read that next psalm, the 107, four times He gives us four types of sinners. Sinners that are in the wilderness, sinners that are in stocks and bonds in iron, sinners that are held captive by their own foolishness, and sinners that go down to the very depths of the sea and are tossed to and fro. But God brings them every time they cry. He brings them out of their trouble, out of their distresses, into their desired haven. And that's what that whole 707th Psalm is all about. Four different types of sinners crying after the sovereign God for deliverance, and He does deliver them that, si that sinners and His creatures may praise Him and give glory unto Him for His sovereignty. And then again, as, I text call, as our text is a prayer, Remember me, O Lord, Visit me with thy salvation, or that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. So here we find this prayer. And again, not only does our crying after him honor his sovereignty, but our crying after Him honors His wisdom. Because you see, when we are shut up to our sovereign God for deliverance, when we are shut up to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're shut up to the blood. We're shut up to God's righteousness as revealed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Then we honor God's wisdom in that He has provided deliverance and salvation by substitution and that the substitution of Himself. Calvary's cross for His people. So you see, God does not mind us calling after Him. The Lord's ear is not heavy nor His arm sharpened. And the Lord doesn't mind us coming to Him under, under every phase of life. There are so many. And I had a phone call the other week from a dear soul. Oh, uh, I haven't called upon God, but now I'm in trouble. Do I dare call upon Him now? What does the Word say? God is our refuge and a very present help in time of trouble. If I only called upon Him when I was in the calm, I don't think I'd call on Him too much, would you? We are needy people and needy souls. Constantly we are in need. I don't care what it is. God's people seemingly 
cannot survive just in a calm. They cannot survive just in the sunshine. They cannot survive just in His outward manifested blessings upon their lives. No, they can't. They survive as a needy people, a people that must have Him, a people that must cry after Him, a people that must lay at His feet and pour out their hearts because they're a poor and needy people. And our whole life is made up of this. And so I say then in the second place that when we cry after Him, no matter what kind of trouble it is in, we ought to cry after Him. And we honor His wisdom in that He has given us a way out. But I'm such a fool. I'm such a sinner. I've made such a wreck of my life. How many times have I told Him this? Lord, I've played the fool again. Lord, I've done this again. But you said that you preserve the Lord, preserveth the simple, and that's all that we are. So, remember, when we cry, and God desires that we cry, this is His method that we should cry. Was it not so in nature? Was it not so in nature? What happened when we came out of our mother's womb? What was the very first thing that we did? Was it not that we cried? I am told by a nurse who worked in the delivery room that a baby probably can live about 30 seconds out of the mother's womb without breathing. Probably 24 at the most. And the doctor, when the baby is bored and comes forth and they wait for that first... Heave, and at first getting of that breath, they watch the clock, and they'll give it 18 seconds, but if it doesn't respond in 18 seconds on its own, they'll pop that little bottom to make it jerk, to make it do something, and it might get its breath. And then it starts crying. And the nurse who told me this was a grandmother, or a mother. She asked permission to go into the delivery room with her daughter-in-law to see the, her first grandchild born. The doctor said, you can come if you'll stand off, but don't open your mouth. She promised. And she was the one who was telling me this. And said she watched the clock and the doctor watched the clock and the doctor looked at her and at 18 seconds... He pounded the little bottom. And he began to breathe. And then he began to cry. Is not this so in nature? Doesn't the child cry when it's hurt? Cry when it's dirty? Cries when it needs that stomach full? Cries when it's got the chronic? The, the colic? Mine did for three long months. The last one. And so it is in nature. So it is in grace. The Lord desires that we should cry. Now, I'm leading up to my text. I haven't got into it yet now. But I'm just leading up to it. Trying to set the stage for our text tonight. Remember me, O Lord. Visit me, O Lord. Let me see, O Lord. Let me rejoice, O Lord. Let me be glad. Glory in thy inheritance. Another thing. Not only does our crying after Him... Honor Him as our Sovereign. 
Not only does it honor His wisdom in that He has prepared this way that we should come to Him, and that He has provided salvation and deliverance through one who is the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also honor His faithfulness when we cry after Him. Don't we? Well, of course we do. Because when we cry, inevitably we will plead the promise. Won't we? Well, of course we do. This is our bread and our meat and our drink and this is our life. And these are blank checks that we, we write in and spend at the bank of heaven when we come up to the window to cash them. These are the promises. And so it honors God's faithfulness to His Word and His promises that He's going to bring to pass that which He has spoken, and He will not put us to shame. He cannot put us to shame. So, never take the attitude that the sin is too great, the trouble is too great, the affliction is too great, or that you have strayed too far away, or because you have not cried... Now you can't cry because God is ready then to slap you in the face and to turn you away when you do cry. Oh, no. Come on back. Come on to Him. Cry after Him. Because He said He delights in us crying after Him. Proves His sovereignty, His wisdom, and His faithfulness to His Word. All right? Now I trust our appetites are whetted. We might see in our text tonight the desire of a man after the Lord. And I pray that God will excite our hearts tonight. That we will desire to be the same way. And that we will desire after the same things. And that is, that we will cry after the Lord. And this is what we cry. Remember me. O Lord. Now, in our praying, let us be specific. In our crying, let's ask Him to remember us. I know that the highest degree of praying is interceding for others. I understand this. But so much of our praying and so much of our need is to cry unto God for ourselves. And so, this is the way the psalmist starts it off. Remember me, O Lord. Or we can break it up and we say, O Lord, remember me. And this is what God wants us to do. What is my need? You tonight, outside of Christ, what is your need as you're listening to this message? I ask you a question. What is your need? Don't you have one? Don't you have one? I do. I've had one all day long. Ever since I woke up this morning, I've had a need. And God has supplied that need throughout the day. And I praise Him and thank Him for it. He's brought us to this hour by His marvelous grace. He's, he, he, we have a need. Oh, Lord, remember me. Now, <clears throat> this is not selfish. Let us go to Luke chapter 23. And, and I find a man 
of whom it was spoken of there, that was in a state of, just about a state of death. For he was on the right hand of our Lord upon the cross. The story is found in Luke 23, verse 39, in one of the male factors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And get the picture of where he is now. There's darkness everywhere. The rabble crew at the foot of the cross with their torches going back and forth, railing upon the crucified, living Lord Jesus Christ, the one who was there at the cross, dying underneath our sins. He was there. Everybody was railing upon him. His friends and loved ones and disciples had left him. All alone, no one stood with me, he said. To his right and to his left were two male factors, two thieves, two robbers, murderers who were dying beneath their own sins. And in the blackness and the darkness of that hour, this one poor old soul cried unto him and said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now, he wasn't ashamed of the crowd. And he wasn't ashamed of what they were calling him or what they would call him. He had a need. He already confessed it. He had said to the other thief, I am justly dying beneath my sins. This man has done nothing, nothing wrong, but I am. We are. We, have, we are indeed dying justly, receiving the just recompense of reward for our sins. And here we are, but this man has done nothing amiss. And what does he do? Oh Lord, I want more conviction. Oh Lord, I want more light. Oh Lord, I want to understand something. Oh Lord, I don't understand what that's going on around here. I don't understand this motley crowd and I under, don't understand why you are dying unjustly in your, without any sin. I don't understand the inscription over your cross. Can you give me a little more light and a little more conviction? Oh no, he wasn't crying for anything that, but Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. That's all he was concerned about. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Now I want to tell you all something tonight. There's some of you all sitting before me tonight who've had all the light God's going to ever give you. And you're going to act upon that light or you're going to go to hell. I'm telling you tonight. I love you, but I'm going to tell you this tonight. God has given you all the light He's going to ever give you. He's given the light, all the light. If God would have given Light to others like he's given some of you that have been saved a long time ago. He said, oh, Chorizon and Bethsaida, if the light that fell on you had fell on Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented a long time ago. It's going to be more tolerable for them in the day of judgment than for you. 
And this poor old thief on the cross, all the lady had was the inscription over the cross, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And that's all the light he wanted and all the light he needed, that he was the Christ, Son of the living God, and no matter what comes, he was going to trust him. And his kingdom had shrunk to the dimensions of a cross. And yet he cried, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. You don't want no more light. You don't want no more conviction. What you need is to act upon what God has already given you, and that is to trust your never-dying soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, remember me. Remember me. And that ought to be our cry. Oh, Lord, remember me. Like blind Bartimaeus, when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, and he began to cry out of him, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And they began to push him aside and say, Oh man, sit down and be quiet, you're disturbing us. And it said that he cried the much more. Jesus of Nazareth, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And did he hear him? Well, of course he heard him. That never a soul ever cried after the Lord that ever got turned around. You can't, point, you can't go to the Scripture and find me one place where any man cried after the Lord and he didn't hear him. Not a place. I'll tell you one thing. You're not going to be able to stand in the day of judgment and say it was because of this or that or something else. Oh no. You're going to hell tonight because of your evil heart of unbelief. You will not trust the Lord. Lord, remember me. Remember me. Well, we have another example. Go with us to Luke chapter 15. We have the example of the, of the prodigal. You know the story how the younger son asked the father to divide his goods with him, and he did, and he went on down and spent them in riotous living. And verse 14, And when he spent all, there rose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in womb. And he went and journeyed, joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bred enough in despair, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him. And then he was crying. I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he didn't stay in the hog pen with this resolve. Verse 20 tells us, And he arose. He came to his father. And then he found that his father was interested in him all the time. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And thy sight in him the more worded to be called thy son. What was he doing? He said, Father, remember me. Don't you know me? I'm your son. I'm not worthy of the least of your mercies. I'm in tattered garments and rags. And, and my belly is filled with the husk. And I'm tired of sin. And I'm filled with sin. And I'm finished with sin. And I want to come back home. And I want to follow you. And I want to lay at your feet. I'm no more worthy 
to be called thy son. But you know, the father never did let him get out to let him make him one of his hired servants. No, he came back as a son. Lord, oh Lord, remember me. Go to the first chapter of 1 Samuel. I want you to see this again. 1 Samuel 1, the story there is that Elkanah had two wives. One of them, Peninnah had many children. Hannah had none. And oh, the other wife just led her a dog's life. They went up to the temple to Shiloh to eat and to drink and to worship the Lord. And this is what it said. Verse 10, And she was, Hannah was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And go to verse 19. They rose up early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord in return, and came to their house in Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. You see? She honored the Lord by crying, Lord, remember me. Don't forget thine handmaid. I need a child. And what do you need tonight? What do I need? Lord, remember me, was her cry. Well, let's go further. Let's go to the book of Ruth, the one right before 1 Samuel. Elimelech and Naomi, with their two sons, had left the famine that was in Israel. And they went to Moab, and there they stayed ten years. The father died, the two sons died, and the mother, Naomi, was left with the two daughter-in-laws, Arthur and Ruth. And she had heard that God had blessed in the land of Israel again. And so she decided to go home. They, both Arthur and Ruth, began to follow after her. Came to the parting of the ways, and Naomi said to Ruth and Arthur, Go back, go back, go back. Don't come on with me. I'm just a poor old widow woman. In verse 14, they lifted up their voice and wept again, and Arthur kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth cleave unto her, and she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law has gone back unto her people, and unto her gods return thereafter thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, And treat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and whether thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. And she saw that she was steadfastly mine to go with her, then she left off speaking unto her. Ruth would not go back. She had to go unto the Lord. She had to go to, to Naomi's God and Naomi's people and Naomi's land. 
Lord, remember me, was what she was saying. I want to follow you. I want to follow you. And I want to follow you fully. Lord, remember me. And this was his plea. Lord, I want you to remember me with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. Insignificant as I am, do not forget me. Think upon me in kindness, even as thou thinkest upon thine elect. O Lord, I know that you have a people, and I know that you show favor toward that people. So this is what I desire of you. I desire that you remember me with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. I cannot ask any more. I cannot ask any less. And this, and this God loves for us to hear. You know, God loves for us to act in faith. God desires for us to act in faith. God desires for us to follow after Him. God desires to, to, for us to tell Him like, like Job told Him, Though you slay me, yet will I trust you. Though I go under, I'm going to follow you. And all this is active faith. Did you know that? And does God hear? I know He hears. I walked in that building this morning at 9.30, that door right over there. And the upper part of my stomach was hurting so bad, I was just about ready to double up. And I said, Lord, though you slay me, I'm going to trust that this day you're going to give me your message." I'm going to trust you that today I'm going to be able to stand on my feet. If I fall, I'm going to trust that you're going to hold me up and give me your word for today. Has he done it? I'm standing right here tonight. You know, God loves for us to stand before him and declare our trust in him. And to stand and say, Lord, though you slay me, yet will I trust you. You have a favor. And that favor is given to thy chosen people, and that's the favor that I desire. Oh, but you say that's presumption. I don't find anywhere in the Bible that, that that's presumption. This is what the psalmist did, and what the, what's good enough for the psalmist is good enough for me. Remember, O oh Lord, remember me with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. Now, you have a chosen people. And I desire to be among that chosen. I can't look into the book of predestination. I can't look into the book of life. I don't know whether my name's written there or not, but this one thing I do know. That I desire the favor that you show those who are written in that Lamb's book. And what could be a greater desire for us to have? And how many times have we told him, Lord, if tonight Thou would break the covenant with the Lord Jesus for our soul, and You would send us to hell, in hell we would tell every demon, God is right, 
I'm wrong because I'm here because of my sins. I will justify you in hell that you're right and I'm wrong. But there ain't no soul ever going to go to hell just find the Lord. And there's no soul that will ever get turned aside that puts their trust and their faith in Him. And this is what he's saying. Look upon insignificant little me and remember me with the favor and the kindness and the love that you showed toward your people. Why, even the reprobate Balaam cried the same thing. Did you know that? That false prophet Balaam, you know what he said? He said, let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like theirs. Or even that old reprobate, this he knew that God showed favor to these people. Let me die the death of the righteous and let my last end be like theirs. And shouldn't that be our cry? And shall not the God of the Bible, the God who has died in our place, shall He not remember us? Remember the text that we preached on a couple of weeks ago? From Romans 8.32 He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? And you know God loves a bold faith. God loves a singular faith. God loves a faith that casts itself upon Him. You know, God loves a faith like Ahab, Rahab had. In that city of a million people. The whole nation, the whole Canaanitess nations were moved with fear because that, the nation of Israel had been out in the wilderness for 40 years and they had seen that miracle. The spies had been out there. They had seen that water, that rock that followed. And they came back reporting. Do you know there's a people out there in that Saudi Arabia desert, that Sinai desert? You know there's a people out there that's got a rock following them and that rock is pouring forth water. Did you know they got a people out in that desert, three million strong, that have a cloud over them by night and a pillar of fire? A big cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? Did you know that there's a people out there that has a God who rains down food from heaven every day for it? Don't you think this hadn't spread throughout the whole land of Canaan for 40 years? And when the spies had gone into Jericho, Rahab said, All of our hearts are smote within us. We are weak as water because of the God of the Israelites. So what did Ahab, what did Rahab do? Rahab had a singular faith. She stood out against the king's edict. She stood out against all of the inhabitants of the land and of the city of Jericho. And she said, when you come, remember me and my household. And he said, all right, you put the scarlet line in the window. And when we see it, stay there. We'll rescue you. She had a singular faith that this God who had supplied the needs of three million people for 40 years with the God of, uh, of the true and living God. And you know God honors singular faith. Did you know God honored Joseph's faith when he stood against sin and against all of his brethren? Did you know that God honors singular faith when we stand against our whole households? 
than against all those around us and we dare to say that the God we serve and the God we love and the God we know and the God who died for us, the God who arose for us, the God who went to heaven for us is a God of deliverance and a God of mercy and a God who's going to provide all of my needs. He's not going to fail me. He's not going to put me to shame. And we stand every day and walk every day and every week and every month and every year with this singular faith. God honors us. Oh Lord, remember me with the favor that Thou showest to Thy people. This was a singular faith. I want those blessings. I want that kindness. i tell you something. This is worth seeking for. This is worth crying for. This is worth desiring. And brother, if I ever preach the truth in my life, I'm preaching the truth to you people tonight. You know that? I've experienced what I'm talking about tonight. That the God of this Bible, remember me, O Lord, is a cry I've cried 10,000 times. He's never put us to shame. He's not going to put us to shame. I'm telling you tonight, that singular faith He desires that we would have to trust Him under every difficulty. Lord, remember me. I don't want to be excluded from the tribulations that you bear to your people. I don't want to be excluded from the misunderstanding and the persecution that comes because of following thee. I want you, I want that also. I want the bitter with the sweet, but I want those favors. Because you know something? You know something? The very favor of God to his people in allowing us to suffer for his cause and to suffer for His name, and allowing Him to deal with our lives that He might bring us in situations where He would be honored and glorified by us standing and awaiting and praising Him. This honors Him. And since it honors Him, then we acquiesce to it ourselves and we bow before it and we say, Yea, Lord, if this gets you glory, who am I to complain? If this brings out a grace in my life that others can see and they will glorify thee because of this, yea, Lord, let me walk there not one day but ten days. Not ten days but twenty days. If it pleases thee, this is the faith. In other words, we, we, we want the bitter with the sweet. We want the sweet with the bitter. But we want it all, the faith. And what is a greater favor than to suffer for the Lord? Read the first chapters of Acts. And I wish you'd pray for me. Then open my heart for about a month now that I should go into a series of messages one of these days on the book of Acts. I've never gone into it. I want to. I've been studying it. And you ought to read the first chapters of Acts. And those men gloried in the fact that they suffered for their living God. And Paul could say that I fill up that which is behind with the sufferings of Christ. So this is the favor that is shown to God's people. Alright? Lord, you've smiled upon others. I know you can smile upon me. You've poured out thy spirit unto others. Why can't you pour it out upon me? And as I was praying in my prayer tonight, God has sent revival in yesterday's. Why not today? We have read of them. We have heard of them. I've never seen one where there would be an influx 
And God would bring precious souls into the kingdom. And why should we think that all that God has left is judgment for this nation? Doesn't God yet have another option? Is it not mercy? Can't God yet have mercy? Well, of course He can. We know how long it's going to last. We might be a thousand years away from the coming of the Lord. So why shouldn't we serve our generation as David did his? And cry unto God for these mercies to be put within us. Do you remember what happened to Noah and the ark? Have you ever stopped and considered Genesis 8.1? Many a time have we stopped there. And it reads, And God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. Noah was all alone out upon that vast sea. And the, and the water was 18 feet above the highest mountains, mind you. And there he was with that ark and all of those animals and just eight precious souls, including himself, and not a living thing upon the face of the earth. He didn't go off and forget him. He didn't leave him to himself. God remembered Noah. And how many times have we cried, Lord, remember Leroy. Lord, remember me. When thou comest, when thou makest up the jewels for your crown. The Lord, remember me. Remember my family, Lord. Remember my loved ones. Remember me. When judgment began to fall and was threatening Sodom and Gomorrah, the Scripture says, and Genesis 19:29, and God remembered Abraham. And when remembering Abraham, He delivered just Lot out of the city of Sodom before the judgment fell, before judgment could fall, and it did fall upon the city. God remembered. And God remembers tonight. God knows right where we are. He hasn't gone off and left us. Did you notice the next expression in our text? Remember me, O Lord, with the, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation. Now I want to show you how scriptural this is. Go with me to Luke chapter 19. And I want you to see something tonight. Praise the Lord for this. And praise the Lord, He's in our midst tonight as He was this morning. Mighty to save and mighty to deliver. This is a blessed text, sisters, brethren. My beloved, tonight this is a blessed text for our hearts. There should not a soul go out of this house tonight, but yet you go, you go out rejoicing. Lord, remember me with the favor that Thou showest to Thy people, to Thy chosen elect people, and oh, visit me with Thy salvation. Look at Luke 19, verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. The last time He went through it, He's going to Jerusalem. This is the very trip which He saved Zacchaeus and the very trip which He saved blind Bartimaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see the Jesus who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran therefore and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. The day I must abide at thy house. Oh, how precious that is. 
And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And brethren, that's the greatest thing that could ever be said, that God is going home to be a guest with a sinner. And he goes home with me every day. Going home to be guest with a sinner. And that's all I am, and that's all you are, and that's all you'll ever be. This side of the pearly gates. You don't need no more light. You need to understand that this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And that's the greatest thing that could ever have been said about him. He was gone to be a guest with the man that is a sinner. Why is he welcome? Is he a welcome guest in your heart tonight? He said that he received him joyfully, a welcome guest. He came to be a guest of a sinner. Is he a welcome guest at your house tonight? Is he a welcome guest in your heart? Come on, Lord Jesus, do what you want. Come on, Lord Jesus, fill the horizon. Fill my heart. Do what you want. I want you. I want you to be a settled guest in my heart. And to think that God would come home and dwell with sinners. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day, Salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Why, of course salvation came to that house, because Christ is salvation. And so this is what the psalmist was crying, Oh, visit me. And he knew that if God didn't visit him, he was in effect. But visit me. I want you to come go home with me. Come on. Not that what the, the two men on the road to Emmaus did? And their hearts burned within them as they talked with him in the way and they compelled him to go home, to eat with him. Do you desire him to go home with you tonight? Oh, I pray that you do. I desire him. I, I want him to go home with me. He's met with us from above the mercy seat today. He's in our midst tonight and I want him to go home with me. Don't you? Or does it make any difference to you? Is all you're going to do is to go on in life like you are? If you're ever going to be saved, one day you're going to have to trust the Lord. Why not tonight? One day you're going to have to close in with me. Why not tonight? Oh, Lord, come go home with me. Oh, visit me. And he wanted to be, he wanted to be visit with what? Visit me with thy salvation. That was his God. I don't want anything false. I want thy salvation. I want you, and if I have you, then I'm going to have salvation. So this was his desire. Oh, visit me with thy salvation. Is this your cry? Do you like his visits? Do you like him to be a guest at your house? I do. I like him to visit my soul with his salvation, his deliverance, his mercies, his forgiveness, his blood, his righteousness, with all that he is and all that he has to give unto his people. That's what I want. And that's what he said he would do. But he's not finished yet. As much, there's a little for 
In verse 5, all of this he said, Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. Visit me with thy salvation. And verse 5 tells us of Psalm 106. And these were the three reasons that he was praying. That I may see. Oh, how blinded our eyes are. But I want to see. And there's something I want to see, Lord. I want to see the good of thy chosen. And I just wonder if, maybe if the psalmist had access to what Brother Paul, it was going to be revealed to Brother Paul in Ephesians 1. We find in Ephesians 1, Brother Paul telling us in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. In other words, God's chosen are or, or blessed. They're blessed with all spiritual blessings. And this is what the psalmist was crying for. Visit me with thy salvation that I may see the good of thy chosen. In other words, that I may have that good that you give to them. And what is that? Well, he goes on down further. In Ephesians 1.7, he says that we have the forgiveness of sins through His grace. In that fifth verse, that we have been predestinated and adopted into the family of God. The sixth verse, that we've been accepted in the Beloved. The seventh verse, that we have forgiveness of sins. The thirteenth and fourteenth verse, that we have been sealed with the Spirit of God. The first three verses... And we've been, of chapter 2, we've been brought from under the control and domination of Satan, verse 4, but God, who is rich in grace, wherein His love, wherewith He loved us, has saved us by His grace, and caused us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and in the ages to come, He might show forth His exceeding greatness and goodness toward us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what He's saying that I may see thy, the good of thy chosen. You treat them real good. You make them your children. You visit them. You comfort them. You lead them. You guide them. You show them blessings, and you show them things that you never show <coughs> the world, and I want you to show me these things. You give unto them blessings that the world can never get. Oh, that I may see the good of thy chosen. You've been good to them. And I want that goodness manifested toward me. Isn't that something to pray for? But not only that, he wasn't finished yet. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that thou bearest unto thy people. O visit me with thy salvation, that I may see the good of thy chosen. And when I see the good of thy chosen, and I take Pardon the good of thy chosen, then that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. In other words, the people that make up that peculiar and particular nation, the true Israel of God, they are rejoicing people. I know that they are a poor and afflicted people, and I know they have their ups and downs, and I know they're not perfect yet, 
And I know that sometimes their feet slips and slides and they're full of doubts and fears and unbelief at times. And I know this. And I know that sometimes that uh, they don't act like thy children. But I do know that they can come back and be forgiven. And I know that thou dost hear their cry. And I know that the peculiar joy that they have is a joy that rejoices in thee. No matter what comes or what goes. So I want to see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation. I want my mouth to be filled with gladness. Brother, is that too much to pray for? Isn't that text just chuck full of things to cry unto God for tonight? And these are ours. Oh, Lord, remember me! Should be our cry. But that's not all. He goes on and says in that next part, he says, that I may see the good of thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, and that I may glory with thine inheritance. In other words, I want part of that. And this will be my glory to be numbered among those who inherit the goodness and the graciousness and the mercy of God. In other words... I want what you give to your people down here upon the earth. I want to serve you. I want to serve you with gladness. I want to serve you with joy. And in this serving, if I am persecuted for thy name and made fun of for thy name, I want to bear this because this is part of my glory, being one with thee. But then, O Lord, I also want that inheritance that thou dost give to thy children in that portion that you have allotted them for eternity. But I may glory with thine inheritance. And I can say with the psalmist that my lines have fallen into pleasant places. And I have a goodly heritage. And that heritage is from the Lord. Now come on. You can't say me, you can't tell me I haven't given you nothing tonight to think about. God hasn't given something. And you can walk away from this service tonight and not desire what we've preached of. You can go back to the beggarly elements of the world and concerned only for me, my, and mine, and not the glory of God that He gives unto His people that come unto Him. Oh, how blinded and how full of unbelief you are! That you do not desire these heavenly things and these gracious things that God gives unto His people. Did I hear somebody say, way down deep in your soul, Pastor, I could care less of what you've been talking about tonight. Oh, is that right? I pity you. Or maybe someone said, down deep in your soul, these things are not for me. But how do you know? When was the last time you cried after Him? When was the last time you searched the Word to find out? When was the last time on your bended knee you cried, Oh Lord, remember me? When was the last time your room... When was the last time any furniture in your room ever heard you cry to the Lord? I ask you. When was the last time did anybody ever hear that God Himself... Has He ever heard you cry after Him? Oh Lord, remember me. For the favor that thou bearest on thy people, O visit me with thy salvation. And I would urge you in closing tonight to close in with Christ, to follow Him, 
and cry after him like blind Bartimaeus, and you'll not let him go until he visits you with his salvation. And he pours out upon you these blessings and these mercies that he said that he would do. And I pray that this will be all of our language tonight. Oh, Lord, remember me. Remember me. And thou dost make up the jewels for your crown. And I'll give thee praise. And I'll give thee glory. And thou dost save me. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.